who we've given our lives to. He's an on-time God. Amen. We, it is a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. A day where when we were in divinity school, the, the dean would say it's a high and a holy day. And it is a day in which we are going to observe the Lord's Supper. Uh, it's always a joy and a treat to be able to partake in, in, in his supper. For we agree in the taking of the supper that Jesus' body, it was given, broken, so that we could be made whole. His blood was poured out. Some writers say shed, but it was given so we could have our sins forgotten. Oh, <laughs> what a holy day it is. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with us to John chapter 6, verses 26. And I can honestly say today, I won't be before you, but a few minutes. <laughs> uh, I, I can... With all honestly say that, we, uh, I prepare today like we normally do for uh, Lord's Supper. We, we don't have a full message, but we have a, a message for us uh, today. And as we are about to turn our attention to this verse, we just want to think for a few moments on, the, on just the fact that when we approach God, that we are to approach him. Or when we seek God, we are to seek him with the right motives. Here in this one verse, we're going to look at one verse in chapter 26. We'll put it all in its context. But this one verse helps us to really hone in on this idea today. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you. We praise you. We lift you up. That we, God, we have your word. God, we have your word that testifies that Jesus is the son of God. That Jesus is the savior of the world. That he lived a sinless life. He died a sinner's death. He arose in victory. And God, he is right now standing at your right hand. Oh God, we understand through your word that we have a great hope. No matter what this world looks like today, we have the hope of knowing that one day he's coming back. One day we won't be in this world any longer, but we'll be in your presence for all eternity. Oh, what a blessed hope it is. God, help us to focus upon that hope and not upon the cares of this world. And we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. This would be a good day, God, that your Holy Spirit would touch hearts. That if there's one with us today that don't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, that the day would be the day that they cry out, what must I do to be saved? The day would be the day that they would accept that they are a sinner. They would believe that Jesus is their savior and they would confess him as their Lord. Oh God, what a wonderful day it would be. 
And God, we pray that you would move and minister according to your will and according to your glory. And we'll give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. As we begin approaching this passage, to understand why Jesus said these words to these people who had been searching after him, we have to understand that he had just crossed not too long before the Sea of Galilee. He had went up into a mountain. And as he went up into the mountain, he was sitting there just talking with his disciples. Those 12 men who had followed him gave up their lives just to follow him. And he turned and he looked and there's 500 men Now, the Bible declares it's 500 men. Some writers say that doesn't include women and children. But what we know is there's a great multitude that he saw coming toward him. This multitude had just witnessed him heal some who were diseased. And they came to just be around this man to where they saw that he must be the bread of life that Moses had talked about. And here as they're coming, Jesus noticed that The Passover was near. He noticed that they had this multitude of people who needed to observe the Passover. And and here what we find is there's, there's no money among the people. The disciples had nothing, not enough that they could just buy bread alone to, to fill their, their bellies. So Andrew finds a young lad, a youth who has his lunch The Bible declares there were five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, I don't know how you see that. Some writer says those five loaves were five wafers. Those fish were more like sardines. Some writers say it was just a mere lunch for this young boy. I don't know. It may have been full-size fish. It may have been 15-pound bass. I don't know what it was. He may have had big, big loaves of bread. It could have been. But what I do know, he only had, he never had enough for 5,000 men, let alone the women and children it doesn't matter how big the loaf it doesn't matter how big the fish with five loaves and two fish you're not filling up five thousand men but Jesus looks at the disciples and says sit them down you know we can look at this world and we see what we see but God sees something different We see a mess going on, but God sees that he's in control of everything that's taking place. I can't see the outcome of today, but God's in charge of today, tomorrow, and forevermore. He has them just to sit down. And he blessed this lunch. Tells the disciples to start dispersing this lunch. I would imagine, because I know me, (laughs) they're thinking to themselves, what is he saying? Disperse this, how can we divide this up among 5,000 people? But they obediently followed. You know, it's one thing 
<laughs> to love the Lord is another thing to just trust him. And we ought to trust him that when it don't make sense to us, he's still in control. I imagine they were saying, it ain't going to take 12 of us to pass this out. <laughs> but that lunch never stopped. <laughs> it kept on giving. That little bit, they needed all 12 of these men to pass all to pass this lunch out. And, and every person there got filled up. And not only did they get filled up, but there were 12 baskets that had not been touched. 12 baskets of fish, 12 baskets of bread. There were 12 baskets that, that, that they had nothing to do with but just savor till another day. I want to tell you, Jesus knows what he's doing and if we'll just give him us he'll take us and do great things and I imagine Jesus is noticing after they're filled up what took place in the minds of these people for they're talking to one another and they're looking at Jesus you know how we can get when we're think when we when we're talking with somebody about someone else we we think we're being sly we think we're being slick but but we're we're still cutting our eyes to them and and whether we realize it or not they know we're talking about them there's just something within us that gives us the the notion that somebody's got something that they're they're thinking about or saying about you you know what we can't get paranoid over that because if we know what god knows about us it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying about us Jesus knew that in their hearts they wanted to put their hands on him. They wanted to take hold of him and make him their king. But he had greater plans than being the king with a crown and a throne on earth. He had a plan for these people in their lives. So he just moves on up into the mountaintop. His disciples at this time, they begin to go down the mountain. To get that, Jesus is going up the mountain. They're going down the mountain. And the people just rest for that evening. Four miles into the disciples getting in their boat and getting out in the sea. Three to four miles in, they see somebody walking on water. Jesus is walking toward the boat and they recognize who he is and they receive him in the boat. And immediately, immediately they were on dry land. Almost a waste of time to walk, to climb in the boat, wasn't it? But because they received him, they were safe. <laughs> they didn't have to worry about the winds and the, and the waves bothering the boat because once Jesus got on board, they were safe. When the multitude woke up the next morning, they realized he was gone. They thought he'd went up to pray, spend a little time with God. You know, it's, it's a good thing to know that people recognize that that you want to spend time with God? You know, it's a wonderful thing to, to know that people know don't bother him. You know, how many of us fathers that when we get into a certain place, our wives and our children know not to bother us. They know not to, not to worry us because we are we're with the Lord. And when we're with the Lord, nothing else really matters. Do we take that kind of time? They knew Jesus was going to be with the Lord. And they thought he'd just maybe spent the whole night. They weren't bothering him. But when they re realized he's not here, he went up the mountain. The disciples went down the mountain. If he had come down the mountain, we would have seen him. But no, all we can do, we don't know where he's at. But we can go looking for him. And the best way to go looking for him is to find the disciples. So they got in their boats and they went toward Capernaum. And when they got on shore, they saw 
Jesus and the disciples. They had come to look for Jesus. You know, we would think the fact that they were looking for Jesus is a good thing, wouldn't we? As a matter of fact, Isaiah 55 and 6 tells us, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The Bible tells us to seek him. And they were seeking him. But what we find in verse 26 is that they were seeking Jesus with the wrong motive. And if we're going to seek Jesus, we need to seek him with the proper motive. The people went looking for Jesus without realizing just how corrupt their motive really was. But when they found him, Jesus knew just how corrupt they were. He knew how corrupt their motive for finding him was. When Jesus addressed them, he wanted them to pay close attention to what he had to say to them. We see in the phrase there, most assuredly, right there in verse, in verse 26, we see that most assuredly. If you're reading King James, it says, verily, verily. In other words, he said, listen to me, pay close attention. And when we read the Bible, we need to read it as if he's talking to us. And he says here, most assuredly, or verily, verily, he's saying, pay attention to this. This is for you. It's for me. He wanted them to realize he knew what they were up to. As a matter of fact, he says in here that you, you seek me not because of the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Had they have been seeking him because of the sign that they saw, they would have fell down and worshipped him. They'd have been willing to serve him. But no, it wasn't about serving him. It wasn't about worshiping him. It was about getting what they could get for themselves. That's why they were looking for him. That's why they were seeking for him. The crowd was focused on having their needs met. Here was a savior. Our Messiah the anointed one, the son of God, the one who can meet every need that they had. And they had seen him heal a man who was lame from birth. They were recipients of this bread uh, that where he failed, uh, fed a multitude with just the lunch of one child. So there were no doubts in their minds he could satisfy whatever hunger they had. He could give them a complete and full life. Listen to what I'm saying now. This is in their minds that they had no doubt he could deliver them from all their enemies and bring the kingdom of God to earth. Oh, Jesus preached the kingdom of God. The gospel of the kingdom of God is what he preached. And what they were thinking was, I'm not going there, but he's coming here. They were wanting to have their life the way they wanted it and eternity too. We find this is very common, don't we? 
We all have a hunger within us for physical and spiritual things. We, we hunger for food, success, possessions, prosperity, popularity. We also hunger for love and joy and peace. We, so we, more than we realize, we are, we are seeking to satisfy the hunger within us by spending all our energy to satisfy it. We'll spend so much energy satisfying that I have hunger that we'll cry out to God, why, how long, how long, Lord? How long is it going to take for this to, to come to pass? How long is it going to be before I can get what it is I want? We'll even have the audacity <laughs> to try to say, God, I mean, just try, God, ha- haven't I done this? The Bible declares that, we- that there'll be those who will stand before him and say, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? You know what he's going to say? Depart from me for I never knew you. We can't bargain with him. They, we'll, we'll go to God and we'll say, we'll just tell him just how faithful we've been. I've been to church every Sunday for the last 10 years. I haven't missed a Sunday. I've been in Bible study ever since I was, I got saved. I, I give my tithes. I tell, I, I make sure my children read their Bible. Me and my wife, we have our devotion and we can be as far from God as we are from one another right now. And we think God's going to honor it or we expect him. To honor it. Too often we're going to God for, with corrupt motives. We're not interested in Jesus being our Lord and Savior. We're not interested in serving Him and making Him known to the lost. Oh no, we don't have time for that. No, no, no. We didn't sign up for that. Um, y'all know I'm not talking about you. I know this wouldn't be you. This wouldn't be you. This is this is those other people, and and you know that, and you know what comes to mind as well. Well, don't he tell us? Don't he tell us to seek him and ask and knock? Yeah, he does. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew seven seven through eight, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who asks finds, and he who knocks. It will be opened. I know the scripture says that. (laughs) But I believe so many in this world, so many are coming to him for the wrong reasons. As a matter of fact, James even touches on that in chapter 4 in verses 2 and 3. He says, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Jesus is not a tool for us to use to to accumulate all the riches of this world. He's not a tool for us to use to, to, to take pleasure in this world with. He's far greater than that. Oh, Jesus wants to bless us, but he'll bless us when we align our desire, when we align our will up to his will and his desire for our lives. James 4 and 4, he says, adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend to the world makes himself an enemy to God. What the Bible is telling us here 
is that if we're going to seek him, we need to seek him for the right motives. You know, mama is sick. I can't pray for mama. So I'm going to give my life to Jesus so I can pray for mama. (laughs) That's a good thing to do. But it's not why you seek Jesus. My baby is sick. I don't know what to do. I'm going to seek Jesus. You know, it's a good thing to be able to pray for your child. But that ain't why we seek Jesus. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. We seek him. Why? Because he came looking for us. We seek him. Why? Because he is God. And besides him, there is no other. We should be seeking him for who he is and for what, not for what we can get out of him. We seek him to worship him and to serve him. Too often we've lived a ragged life and we, we come to Jesus expecting him to fix the family that we've torn up. Well, I want to tell you, it doesn't work that way. Just because you get saved, your, your marriage might not be fixed. That child might not straighten up, but you'll have the opportunity, the power to be able, and the spirit living within you to be able to cry out to God on their behalf. But we seek him to worship him and to serve him. He left the splendor of heaven to come to this sin-cursed world. In heaven, he stands at the right hand of the Father. On this earth, he had nowhere to lay his head. He, he made the lame to walk, the dumb to talk. He opened the eyes of the blind. He healed the, he, or he raised the dead. And for that... They falsely accused him. They illegally tried him. He was beaten. He was spit upon. His hair was pulled out of his face. He was mocked and cursed. And they nailed him to an old rugged cross. He laid down his life so that we could be raised in eternal life. He raised from the dead to remove the sting of death and to assure us victory over the grave. Yes, folks, we seek him for the right motive. And that motive is to worship him for what he has done. To praise him for what he has done. To love him for what he has done. Because when we were lost and undone, in our wretchedness... He loved us so much that he died for us. He came to give his life for us. We seek him to surrender our lives to him. If we seek him for any other reason, we're seeking amiss. We seek to surrender our lives to him. And you know what? When we surrender our lives to him, then we can call on him and ask him to heal mama. We can call on him and ask him to touch our baby. When we're, when we're wayward, when us and our spouse has gone separate ways, we can pray that if it be his will to bring us back together. If our children are living like the devil, we can pray his hand of protection upon them. But we seek him to serve him, to love him. Because he first loved us. I wonder, is there anyone today, while the church is praying, 
I wonder if there's anyone today that's been seeking Jesus. That you've been troubled in this world and you found that you need help. Tired of running, you're ready to look to the one who loved you so much that he gave his life for you. I wonder, is there anyone today who's ready to surrender their life to him, to empty yourself of you and to be filled with him in his presence? If there is, would you pray with me? Would you pray? God, I'm lost. I don't know where to go but to you. God, you loved me enough that you died for me. So God, I'm calling upon you today. God, I need you. If I leave this world like I am today, hell will be my home. But God, you loved me to where you made a way that I could escape an eternity in a demon's hell. God, I believe Jesus was born of a virgin. God, I believe he lived this sinless life. I believe he died for my sins. I believe he arose on the third day in victory. I believe he's with you and he's one day coming back. Lord, and I receive him this day as my Savior. Oh, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Now, God, lead me as I walk in this new life filled with your light. Oh, the church is praying. If you've prayed this prayer, And you sincerely meant it from your heart. And you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus. While they sing this song of invitation. Would you? Would you come and just share with me today that you've been saved? Would you come and just let me know that you accepted Jesus today. For the forgiveness of your sins. That if God comes today, that you are sure today that heaven's your home. 